Human trafficking is one of the greatest human rights violations of our time. According to the International Labor Organization, over 40 million people exist in some type of slavery, whether it be labor or sex trafficking or forced marriage. If you do the numbers, that means there are about five victims of modern-day slavery for every 1,000 people in the world, with one in four victims of modern-day slavery being children. All of this means that even though we think we've defeated slavery, in actuality there are more slaves today than at any other time in the history of the world. And just so we all have a working definition of this crime, human trafficking is the exploitation of human beings through force, fraud, or coercion for the purposes of commercial sex or forced labor, wherein a third party, a trafficker or controller, is making a profit. Human trafficking is indeed modern-day slavery, as victims find themselves in situations they literally cannot get out of. Hello everyone, my name is Helen Van Dam, and I am the Freedom Drivers Project Director for Truckers Against Trafficking, or TAT, and you're listening to our podcast called Driving Freedom. My co-host today is Ashley Smith, TAT's Director of Energy Operations. Hi everyone. As TAT works to educate, equip, empower, and mobilize members of the truck, bus, and energy industries to combat human trafficking as a part of their regular jobs, we wanted to create a podcast that would serve as a helpful training tool to one of the largest mobile armies of the eyes and ears out there on the roads seeking to recognize and report this heinous crime. Today, we are honored to have Survivor Leader and TAT Training Specialist Annika Huff with us in order to educate us on the realities of this crime and her lived experience, as well as explore how drivers can take a victim-centered approach, as we have had many drivers tell us that they often engage in conversations and interact with potential victims out there on the roads. Welcome, Annika. Thank you so much for having me today. While I spend most of my time with TAT, training law enforcement officers throughout the country, I'm so glad to be speaking with drivers today because I know that they're making a difference on the roadside. Before we get into the particulars of what a victim-centered approach looks like, so many people want to understand how this crime even comes about. Annika, could you talk to us a bit about your own backstory? What were the root causes that led to your own victimization? My mom was a single teen mom. Um, There was emotional abuse. There was also a lot of neglect when she was raising me. My dad was, uh, for the most part, living in a different state from me. I didn't have a relationship with him very much. During my teen years, I kind of bounced around from family members' house for short periods of time. I was not living with my guardian. I moved to Las Vegas, Nevada. I was easily targeted. And during that time, I wasn't able to provide for myself. I wasn't able to go to school like I really was wanting to do, and I wasn't able to work. Can you actually specify how you met your initial trafficker? My trafficking situation happened when I was moving to Ohio. I had gotten a Greyhound bus ticket, and I was leaving Las Vegas, and I went to go visit my dad across town. And when we were done visiting, I went back to the local bus stop to go up to my my aunt and uncle's house where I was sleeping that night. When I got to the bus stop, there was a car that had pulled up. And in the car, there was a young girl and a young guy. And the girl was in the passenger seat. I remember looking at both of them. She asked me if I wanted to come party. And I thought that she looked like she was younger than me. So I decided to get into the car. 
when I was um, with them that night and hanging out with them, I had told them I was leaving on the Greyhound bus that next day and that I needed to go home. And they said that they would uh, drive me back home and they had offered to pick up my stuff and I could go back to their house and I would be able to uh, take a nap. And this bus was going to be three days long. So the idea of being able to get some rest before, before taking this trip sounded like a good idea. And I saw no red flags. I was not able to recognize that they had ill intentions for me. And um, they had no intention of, of driving me to the Greyhound station. So as some of our listeners may know, for human trafficking to exist, force, fraud, or coercion must be used by the trafficker. And I want to specify that anybody under the age of 18 cannot consent to selling commercial sex. Now, Annika, can you talk about how your trafficker used any of those means to keep you under his control? My trafficker definitely used uh, the most force out of uh, force, fraud, and coercion. Um, He was also someone who threatened me a lot. He threatened my life. He threatened my family's lives. He was very intimidating. He was very manipulative. He used um, the other victim to uh, keep control over me and keep a second pair of eyes on me. And I think one that I feel has had a lasting impression on me that we don't talk a lot about in, in human trafficking cases as much as isolation. Polaris had done a report on what tactics traffickers use the most and isolation was used the most. I think that as a society, we have to recognize how damaging that can be to someone. Yeah. I mean, we think about even just how anyone is in relationship with other people and how critical that is to like getting out of your own head, right? When I go down like a really negative line of thinking, if I say it out loud near anyone who cares about me, then they can immediately say, hey, like maybe that's not the whole picture. Like it's easy for us to get into our own head spaces. And so it makes sense that a trafficker would want to isolate and then build this worldview of like, oh, this is normal and this is safe. And no one is saying anything different. And in fact, then, right, I mean, as you're talking about, you were trafficked with someone else. You have someone else there to affirm this as opposed to anyone there to counteract that. That is powerful. And really, we talk about we talk about these invisible chains of uh, human trafficking and how clearly that can chain someone to their place and to that person. I think you brought up an interesting point, Helen. I think in these days during COVID-19 and when people are quarantining or doing social distancing, we've all felt some level of that isolation. And I know that me personally, if I'm having a bad week, I feel like it's just me. But when I talk to a friend or a family member, they're getting that, they're having those same feelings. And there's that instant connection of knowing that I'm I'm not alone in this isolation. So I think it's important for our listeners to know that when you have those various feelings due to isolation, that is what victims of human trafficking are feeling when they're they're kept from their their normal support system. So when you feel those feelings of isolation that you're going through and you have the ability to connect with other people to to get over that and help you through that, understand that 
potential victims of trafficking, they don't always have that connection to help them get over that isolation to get them out of that bad situation. So as drivers, as potential reporters, you could be the one that you are getting them services to help them get out of that isolated feeling. Annika, so we talked about traffickers. We talked about your traffickers, how they treated you. But what was that interaction like with the buyers that you interacted with? I had a very unique experience because in Las Vegas, a lot of the buyers, about I would say about two-thirds of the buyers assumed that it was legal in, in Las Vegas or in Clark County to buy sex. And the buyers that thought it was okay, the buyers who thought they were able to do this, that the law was behind them, were the ones that would get violent with me when buyers were not satisfied. They um, would try and get their money back, which would get me a beating at home. And the ones that had unfortunately just taken what they wanted anyways. And I, I feel like I was a piece of meat to the people that were, were buyers. I was, I was not a human being to them. To traffic someone, to purchase someone for commercial sex, like you have to dehumanize them. I mean, we talk about, right? People have heard the term lot lizard, right? You're turning someone from a human into a lizard. And oftentimes people who are trafficked are people who are marginalized, right? People of color, people with lower education, people with less financial uh, status. So all of these reasons, and I'm doing that in air quotes, you can't see me, but I am. All these reasons to, to say that someone is less human or less valuable. Annika, how did you escape from your situation? I escaped my trafficking because my trafficker had given me gangrene infection, and that was from a, a beating. He did not let me go to the hospital for two weeks, and my body uh, became more and more ill over time. And he realized that I was going to pass away. So he wanted to make one last sell off of me before, before I passed away, before I died. And he sold me to another trafficker who did not know the physical conditions I was in. He had traded me for a Chrysler 300. That was what my life was worth to my trafficker. And this man, like I said, had not known the physical condition I was in. I was with him for four days and he called my trafficker and he said that I needed to be picked up and taken to the hospital. Otherwise, he was going to get his car back because he did not pay for a dead body. Now, while it's easy to become overwhelmed with the darkness of this crime, drivers everywhere are taking action. Human traffickers are counting on the ignorance and apathy of the general public to perpetrate this crime under our noses. Therefore, it is essential that we are aware of the red flags that may present themselves in places that we live and work. For those out there on the road, keep your eyes open for the following things. It could be a person that is being restricted or controlled, signs of branding or bruising. Maybe it's a another truck that has flashing lights that is signaling that they are wanting somebody to visit them. You may even hear CB chatter. 
a van, maybe an RV in the back of the lot where they shouldn't be. It could be a group of people that are dropped off and picked up 15 to 20 minutes later. Or if anybody that you talk to maybe even mentions that they have a quota that they have to fulfill. If you see or hear any one or more of these red flag indicators, you could be looking at human trafficking. Do not hesitate and trust your gut in making that call to report what you're looking at. So you can call the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-3737-888. Once again, that number is 1-888-3737-888. That can connect you with local law enforcement or help that victim access services. Now, if you do see this crime happening in action, call 911. We want to get law enforcement there as soon as possible to help those victims be recovered or traffickers arrested. The great news is drivers have been paying attention to these signs all across the country and have now made over 2,600 calls into the National Human Trafficking Hotline, generating close to 700 cases involving over 1,270 victims. This is fantastic news, and it's not surprising that we hear similar responses from drivers when they first learn about TAT. They say things like, well, I have daughters, and I have granddaughters, and I have nieces. I have people I care about who I want to protect from this, and asking, how can I be a trucker against trafficking? And this is really key to starting that victim-centered approach, realizing that this person is like someone you love or is someone you love, making that connection is critical to then walking down and really approaching a situation with the victim at the center. Annika, can you tell us a little bit more about what it means to take a victim-centered approach? The victim-centered approach is really about making sure that you're identifying this person who's knocking on the door or the person who is on that truck lot It's someone who needs a little bit of extra love, planting a seed of kindness, making sure that person knows that there is a way out of their trafficking situation and that there are people in the world that are going to care about them if they come out of it. So what are some of the other ways that drivers can actually take a victim-centered approach? Asking if they're hungry or they need some water or if they need a jacket or something like that. If they're cold, they might not have had something to drink in quite a bit of time. So asking those questions, those basic necessity pieces, understanding that this person is probably going to need a little bit of extra time to trust you, asking if someone's okay. A small gesture of kindness can be so impactful in somebody's life. And just being aware of that and knowing the impact you have on on someone possibly getting out of their trafficking situation or not. And I do think that most people, well, I could say this, I think every person listening to this podcast would say, oh, if I saw a victim of trafficking, I would help them. We have to remember that oftentimes the people who are victims of trafficking are people we're saying are, oh, that's a prostitute. Oh, that's a drug addict. Oh, that's uh, someone who's made a wrong choice in their life or they just ended up somewhere they shouldn't be. That's a victim of trafficking. And so we have to flip that mindset of like, oh, that's someone who's doing something wrong and remember that this could be a potential victim. And it's worth seeing them that way, acknowledging their humanity, like you said, Annika. 
And I think it's important to note that vulnerabilities in people's lives is a lot of times a, a factor in trafficking. So those vulnerabilities can be seen in any of those ways that you shared, Helen. And I think understanding that is, is key to knowing how we can take that victim-centered approach. Members of the trucking, bus, and energy industries really can and do make a difference out there. To anyone listening who has already made a call on behalf of a victim or helped in any way, thank you so much for caring and for taking the time to get involved. To all of us who are TAT trained, may we keep our eyes and ears open and be ready to take action, especially in these COVID times with vulnerable populations more at risk than ever. By doing so, you are helping to end modern day slavery and drive freedom.